Christmas, entering into the theme of Advent and reflecting on that together. And we'll be doing that through each Sunday uh, during December. Um, so let, let's pray together as we come to God's word. And Father, thank you so much for the way you've already spoken to us this morning. And thank you for that powerful encouragement from Brennan. <coughs> that even when we feel like evil is drawing near, um, the Lord is near. You are very close to us. You are with us and around us. And you are far, far greater than anything that threatens to overwhelm us. And Father, thank you for that encouragement. And I pray as we come to your word this morning, just that we be really aware that you are here, that you are near, um, that your presence would be very real to us this morning, and that you would speak to us by your word and speak into our hearts by your spirit in a way that will send us into this week with renewed faith and renewed hope and renewed love. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I, I want to give you really, um, really just one verse this morning and one image, I guess, which is this one uh, behind me. Um, I, I was saying to Debbie when I was preparing, I think this might be my favorite verse in the Bible, and she just rolled her eyes at me and said, I've, I've said that about, uh, about 200 different verses. Um, but honestly, 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 I think if I was picking an absolute favorite, it might be this one. Um, so... Um, Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 2, uh, the last book in the Old Testament. You don't need to look it up because it's just one verse, but you can, uh, you can go and maybe read the wider context later on. Uh, but this is what it says. I'll read the first half of the verse for now, and then the second half later. Uh, but he says, For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. For you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Um, and I want to reflect really this morning just on that one image uh, of waiting for the sunrise, uh, waiting for daybreak uh, and the sun to rise. Um, what, one little comment maybe right at the beginning. Um, in, in the English language, we have a kind of happy coincidence where even when you hear me say the son of righteousness, um, I don't know if you hear it as S-U-N or S-O-N, because in English we have this kind of, um, the, the, the words sound alike. What's, what's the, the grammatical term for that? Is that a homonym? Homonym? Homophone? There you go. Um, uh, it, it is worth just remembering uh, that doesn't work in Hebrew. So in the original language in which it was written, this is very clearly S-U-N, uh, or their, the Hebrew equivalent. And in most languages in the world, it doesn't work, but it's kind of a, a glad coincidence for us in English uh, that maybe bo both those phrases come to mind um, as we hear it. Um, little, a little bit of context. I want to I think a little bit about the context of Malachi and then spend most of this morning reflecting on what this might mean for us. Um, so a little bit of context. Um, the people, um, and I guess thinking about the images of darkness and light, um, the people of Israel... Uh, you know the story, um, had come out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and I guess you could see that as a time of real darkness in their journey, in their story. So it begins in darkness, really, in, in certainly that part of the story. 
in Egypt. Um, then they came out of Egypt, and there was that kind of period where they were wandering in the wilderness, and I kind of see this as a time of half-light. <laughs> they're, they're out of slavery, but they're still a little bit lost and confused, and they're wandering in the wilderness and, um, and all the things that happen there. But then they come finally into the promised land, and for Israel, that was a moment of real daybreak and sunlight. They arrived in the land that God had promised them, and they had this kind of short golden age under uh, especially King David, and then for a little while under Solomon as the temple was built. Uh, and that's kind of the real, the real uh, bright point in the story of Israel. But then, as you probably know the story, there was a decline in the life of Israel, again into a kind of half-light. Uh, there were still bright moments here and there, but there was all kinds of sin and idolatry and mess in their lives. Um, and then, as a result, defeat at the hands of various enemies, and then destruction in the end of the temple in Jerusalem and of the city itself, and exile. And so, in, in some ways, I think they end up in a darker darkness than where they began. I think Babylon, where they end up in exile, is the lowest of low points for the people of Israel. And probably the, the really poignant image that comes to mind uh, from the Psalms, it says they, they hung their harps on the trees. And they said, it says, by the rivers of Babylon, they sat and wept. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It's this real dark moment in their history. Um, and then what happened? Um, what happened was things seemed to then get brighter. There was a new king in the Persian Empire called Cyrus. And under Cyrus, the, the people of Israel were allowed to go home in several waves. And they began to rebuild the temple and worship was restored under the leadership of Ezra. Um, and then the walls of Jerusalem started to be rebuilt under the leadership of Nehemiah. And the moral and spiritual life of Israel started to be rebuilt and restored and renewed. Um, and yet, there was still a kind of feeling that it was still only half-light. Um, there, there was something about this return and this restoration that wasn't the full daybreak that they were longing for. Um, they, they were back in their land, but Israel was still a kind of vassal state of the wider empire. They had a king on the throne, but he was a kind of puppet of the emperor. He wasn't really, he didn't have full authority. Um, when Nehemiah went away for a while, the people lapsed back into old habits of sin and idolatry and mess. Um, it seemed like the renewal didn't go very deep. Their hearts hadn't really been changed or renewed. Um, and the new temple, um, it lacked the splendor of Solomon's temple visually, but even more importantly, it lacked the sense of God's glory and God's presence that had been there. And as they talked about it together, there was that sense that the glory was missing. And so they were back. It wasn't the darkness of Babylon or of Egypt. They were in a kind of half-light. But there was a longing in them for daybreak, for the light to come fully. Um, it wasn't as dark as it had been, but they're waiting for the sun to, ri to rise. And for me, I think of those moments, and this is when Malachi was writing. Uh, Malachi was probably the last of the prophets. Um, and I, I think of it as kind of, you know that time just before dawn, when you're starting to see a little bit of light on the horizon, but still around you is kind of gloom. You can't see very much. And you're waiting for the sun. 
Um, that's where they were. Um, and so I wonder, can you imagine then how Malachi's words would have sounded? If you're in that kind of, kind of time, Malachi says, for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. He's saying that the, the daylight is coming, the sunrise is coming. Um, and in Malachi, there are three promises connected with that sunrise, which I find just really beautiful and powerful. Um, and I, I want to share them with you. The first one, um, very simply, um, in the verse, is that um, healing will come. And I, I take that to mean healing in the most holistic sense. <laughs> Uh, the healing of bodies, certainly, but also the healing of minds, the healing of hearts and emotions, the healing of memories, the healing of uh, lives, the healing of moral and spiritual lives and all, every part of life. Um, and the people of Israel were carrying all kinds of hurts and wounds from their journey. They had, they had sinned and they had also been sinned against. And they needed desperately healing on every level. And Malachi says, when the sun rises, the, the, the light is going to be healing light. It's going to bring healing to every part of your, your, your wounded lives. Um, so that's the first promise um, of healing. The second one, which is the bit of the verse that I especially like that I didn't read already. Um, Malachi says, uh, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Um, what, what an image that is. And by the way, you can go and look on YouTube and find videos of calves being led out to pasture. And they're the most ridiculous looking things on their little bandy legs, but they don't care <laughs> because they are free and they kick their back legs in the air and go frolicking and leaping. And that's the image that the prophet chooses to say when the sun rises and brings healing to your lives, that is the kind of joy that is going to come on your lives. It makes you want to go, makes you totally unselfconscious and not care what anybody around you thinks. You're going to go kicking your legs and leaping and frolicking like a calf let out the pasture. Isn't that beautiful? That's part of the promise. Um, there's a third promise that comes a couple of verses later. Um, Malachi says in verse 6 of chapter 4, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. What is that a promise of? It's a promise of restored relationships. Um, and he picks maybe the most, one of the most poignant ones between parents and children, um, between fathers and children. Um, but I, I'm going to take it a little wider this morning. I think we, we have license to do that. Whenever the sun rises, it will bring healing to your lives. It will bring joy, like a calf skipping in the pasture. And it will bring restored relationships. It, it won't just affect you individually. It will flow out into families and neighborhoods and community and all the rest. And relationships that uh, had seemed broken beyond repair are going to be restored. That's part of the promise. Okay. So um, what happened then after Malachi? After Malachi, there were 400 years of silence. Um, that's a difficult thing for Israel to deal with because it felt like they were at that moment when the sun was about to rise and then they waited 400 years holding on to that promise. Um, and during the 400 years, no prophet came to bring the word of the Lord. Um, and they remained kind of in that state of half-light 
there were bright moments still, but there was still a lot of gloom. Um, and some of the, the faithful of Israel really held on to the promises like Malachi's and other promises that they'd been given, and they cried out, how long, O Lord? And they held on to the promise, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. Um, and then I want to fast forward with you. Um, four, 400 and, and a bit years after Malachi, um, I want you to imagine this scene, an old priest, an old Jewish priest in Jerusalem. His name was Zechariah. Um, he was one of the ones who'd been holding on to the promise. Um, and he held a little boy in his arms. It was his son, John. And I want to read you just a few words of what Zechariah says. This is what he says. So you're in Israel. You've been waiting 400 years. You've been remembering the promise given to Malachi. And this is what old Zechariah says as he speaks over his child. He says, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You hear what Zechariah is saying? He's saying, this child that I'm holding, he's not the one. He's going to prepare the way for one who's going to come after him. And then because of God's tender mercy, the rising sun will come to us from heaven. If you've been there that day, I wonder would you have, would you have caught the fact that he's riffing on Malachi and he's riffing on Isaiah and he's riffing on a few of the prophets. But he's saying the time has come, the time we've been waiting for. The, the sun is about to break through. Um, and so the promise of the rising sun is fulfilled, not in John, but in the one who came after him. Jesus is the son of righteousness, S-U-N and S-O-N, um, who comes to bring daybreak, to, bring, to drive the darkness away. Um, and so we want to say Jesus is the one who brings healing. So all those promises that, that were there in Malachi, Jesus is the one who brings healing. Uh, do you remember he said he hadn't come for the healthy? He'd come for the sick. Um, do you remember he, he asked the crippled man, and I think he asks all of us, do you want to be well? Right? And he, he asks all of us, do you want to be well? Um, and we say about Jesus, by his wounds we are healed. Right? So he is the one, uh, the, the, the rising son of righteousness who brings healing. He is the one who brings joy. Um, and so his birth, as we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, was announced as what? As good news of great joy for all people. Um, and Jesus later on uh, uh, in his life says to his disciples, I've come to share my joy with you so that your joy may be complete. That's why I've come. Um, and he says, your grief is going to turn to joy and no one will take your joy away. That's what he says. So Jesus is the joy bringer. Uh, he brings healing, he brings joy, and he is the one who restores broken relationships, that horizontal dimension of the gospel. And we thought about this, didn't we, in Ephesians? He removes the dividing wall of hostility. He makes peace by the blood of his cross. Um, he makes a new family where there wasn't family before. Um, Jesus is the one who restores broken relationships, turns the hearts of children to their parents and parents to their children and flowing out from there to all our other broken relationships. 
Um, so, um, I, I want to ask this question. Um, I want to ask you, um, what time is it? <laughs> I don't mean the clock. Um, I've got an eye on the clock. I know what time it is. But um, as, as we think about the things we've been reflecting on for the last few minutes, um, what time is it for us? Is it darkness? Is it midnight? Is it, uh, is it twilight? Is it just before dawn? Is it daybreak? Um, as you think about your life, um, as you think about the world that we live in, I wonder which of those images seems appropriate for you. Um, where, where are we living? Are we living in the dark? Are we living in the half-light? Are we living in daylight? Um, and maybe I want to suggest there's a little bit of a paradox here for us. Um, there's, a, there's an already and a not yet. There's a, there's a complexity to the time that you and I live in. Um, from one point of view, um, we can say really emphatically, you and I live in the daylight, right? Because Jesus has come, so the sun has risen. Again, in every meaning of that phrase, the sun has risen, right? Um, you and I live in the light of his appearing, in the light of his coming. Um, you and I are no longer like Malachi uh, and the people of Israel back then, waiting for Messiah to come. Um, he has come. Um, and so we are children of the light. We are children of the daytime. And again, we read in Ephesians, didn't we? You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, right? We live in the light of the gospel. We live in the light of his resurrection. We live in the light of his coming. Um, but also, from another point of view, um, you and I are very aware there's still plenty of darkness in our world, right? Um, and even sometimes in our lives, um, and even sometimes in our hearts, we're very aware there's still a shadow over, often over our days. It doesn't often feel like unbroken sunlight. Um, there can be a shadow of sickness, there can be a shadow of sadness, there can be a, a shadow of sin. Uh, there's all kinds of shadow that uh, is over our days. Um, often, I think if we're being honest for us, it often feels still like half-light. Um, or maybe for you, some days, it can feel even darker than that. Um, like darkness is your only friend, as it says in one of the Psalms. Um, and so, for you and I to be honest, we have to say, we live with this paradox. Um, Jesus has come and defeated the darkness, but we are still waiting for the final fulfillment of that victory. Uh, for the day when he appears and all the shadows will be gone forever. And we sometimes sing, darkness will vanish, all sorrow will end, right? That, and we're waiting for that day. Um, we live in the time in between. We live in the meantime between his first coming and his coming again. And there's a, there's a complexity there for us. Um, and so actually, I think we can find a lot in common with the people of Malachi's day. Um, they were waiting for the coming of the king. We are waiting for him to come again, right? They were waiting for his first coming. We're, we're waiting for his coming again. Um, but also, and this bit is really important, um, as we wait for that final sunrise, um, we're also waiting each day for Jesus to come into our present moment by his spirit. Um, one, one old Christian writer has said there are three ways in which Jesus comes. 
Um, he came at Bethlehem. Um, he, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But the third that we mustn't remember, mustn't forget, is that he comes into our present moment um, and brings the light of the sunrise into where we're living right now, um, shines his light into those places of shadow and starts to bring healing and starts to bring joy and starts to bring restoration. Um, Chris, I think, was talking about this in the first half, those moments when we're feeling overwhelmed by darkness. And what do we, we, we pray that Jesus would come into that place. Um, so even in the meantime, even while we wait, we, we look for him to come. Um, I was re- uh, listening to a little Advent reflection earlier on um, from Pete Gregg, and he was, he was talking about um, one of the earliest prayers that we know from the early church was just one word. Uh, and the word was, uh, as they said it in, in Aramaic, was Maranatha. And the, wor- the word Maranatha simply means, come Lord. That's what it means. Um, actually, uh, I, I kind of love the fact that there, there's a little bit of ambiguity with the word. Maranatha can mean, um, he has come, the Lord has come. It can mean, the Lord will come. But it can also mean, and maybe most, most often is used to mean, come Lord. Um, and when you and I pray, come Lord Jesus, of course we're praying that Jesus would come back and make all things new and we're longing for that day. But we're also praying in the meantime, would you come into our present darkness and would you bring light? That's, that's part of what we're praying. Um, and so um, I want to lead us this morning into um, just a little time of reflection. Um, Advent Um, I don't know if you know, Advent traditionally in the church is actually not primarily about getting ready for Christmas, uh, though it kind of helps us do that as well. Um, It's actually about waiting for his appearing. It's waiting for his coming. Um, It's actually about uh, about his his second coming. It's about waiting for the sun to rise. Um, But Advent is a time for paying attention and waiting. Um, And one of the things we that I think it's really, really helpful for us to do as we wait is to name the places of darkness and shadow and half-light that are in our lives. Advent is a time for almost itemizing. Where are the places in our lives and in the lives of people we love and in our community and in our world where there is still a shadow over things? And Advent is a time for naming those places Um, And then waiting in those places for him to come and make all things new. Asking him, would you come into these places? And praying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, um, into these places that we have named before you. Um, uh, And where where Advent does connect with Christmas, I think, especially is this, is that when we get to the message of Christmas, and we're going to get there in a few weeks, um, The message of Christmas and the joy of Christmas is not for people whose lives are perfectly together and shiny and okay. The message of Christmas is for the people living in darkness. It's the people living in in the land of the shadow of death on whom the light dawns. And so for you and I, there's a sense in which we can't hear the beauty and joy of the message of Christmas if we won't pay attention to the shadow, if we don't pay attention to the darkness that's in our lives and our world, and have a little bit of courage to name those places um, and say, 
That's where we need the light of Jesus to break in. Actually, these are the places where we really, really need Emmanuel, God with us in these places. Um, and where we can say, come Lord Jesus, and he comes to those places as we invite him to, as we ask him to. And so I want to encourage you just for a few minutes. I'm going to allow a little bit of just silence and space for us this morning. Um, I want to encourage you maybe to, maybe to close your eyes just where you are. Um, I just want to give you a few moments uh, to reflect, and I guess to reflect on this question. Um, where right now do you see darkness and shadow and half-light? Um, where are the places, the specific places, where you are longing to see healing and joy and restored relationships? And I want to encourage you maybe first uh, to reflect on your own life and your own heart and what's going on in your life at the minute. And maybe just take a moment just to name in the silence to God where are the places in your own life where there is still a shadow, where there is still darkness and where you're longing for the light to come. Just take a moment in quiet to name those before God. Just as we lift these places in our lives to God. In these places we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come and bring healing light, come and bring joy, come and restore what's broken in our relationships, come Lord Jesus. Now maybe I want to encourage you uh, just to bring to mind maybe other people you know, um, people you love, people you care about, um, whose lives are under shadow or darkness um, and who need the light to break in. And just name those people uh, in the quiet before God. Father, as we lift these people to you this morning, Father, we pray, we pray Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Um, and we know that in some of these people's lives, the darkness is very deep, but we want to confess together, we believe the light is stronger than the darkness. And we pray, would you, would you come and bring light? Would you set captives free? Would you heal what's broken in these lives? Would you restore joy? where there is only despair and depression and gloom. 
Would you restore relationships that have been long broken? Come, Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage you just for a moment to think about our wider world and maybe you want to think about places in our, in our town or our country or even in our wider world where there is darkness and shadow and where we long to see the light of Jesus breaking in. Just take a moment to name, name those places in our, in our world before God. Father, into these, these areas of real brokenness in our world, we want to pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Um, Father, I want to pray you would give us as your people faith to believe that in the darkest of places in our world, your light can shine, that walls can come down, that nations can be healed, that neighborhoods can be healed, that joy can be restored where there's been sadness for a long time. Um, we pray, come Lord Jesus, come by your spirit, let the light break in in these places. The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Um, this is it's not something we um, I do, often do uh, in MCF, but um, through, I, I felt through December, uh, we should do uh, what maybe is traditional in some churches, and we're going to um, we're going to light a candle each week um, as an expression of our hope as we wait for uh, the coming King. Um, and again, why why do we light a candle? There's nothing mystical or magical about the candles, um, but as we light a candle, we are expressing our hope that one day Jesus will come and the darkness will vanish, um, and also that in the meantime, um, even today, he comes and brings light into our present moment uh, where we are living uh, in these days. Um, and so I have two clickers this morning. I have one for the screen and I have a, a real clicker that creates fire. Um, so. Um, and we wanna, as we light the candle, I wanna confess we want to confess this together, that if there is darkness in our lives and in our world, and we know that there is, and we've brought those things to mind, it is always the dark before the dawn. Um, and sometimes the waiting can be long. It was long for the people of Israel, and they cried out, how long, O Lord? And sometimes we cry out, how long, O Lord? But it is always the dark before the dawn. Um, the darkness is passing away, and the sun is going to rise, right? And there's an inevitability about that. Um, Glenn Scrivener, our friend who's been here before, um, writes in one of his poems, the triumph is not with the forces of night. It dawned with the one who said, let there be light. 
The triumph is not with the, the forces of night. The darkness is always passing away. And so, um, before we finish this morning, I wanna, I wanna play you a song. Um, and really, this sermon was just an excuse to play you this song, right? Um, so, uh, and you can find, find the song online. And I wanna give it to you as a gift to play often during December uh, this year. Um, it's a song that, that has done me enormous amounts of good uh, by a songwriter called Andrew Peterson. Um, and he sings in this song, um, hopefully the technology will work, but he sings, all this darkness is a small and passing thing. Uh, and he says, this is the storm before the calm. This is the pain before the balm. This is the cold before the warm. These are the tears before the song. This is the dark, the dark before the dawn. So I'm going to play you this song. Um, and actually, once we finish listening to this song, uh, we're going to sing together. Um, I'll, I'll not pray again because I've already prayed uh, for us all. Um, but don't, don't forget, if there's anything stirring in you this morning um, that you'd love to have somebody pray with you, uh, there'll be a couple of people up here I'd love to pray with you before you go. Um, so do, do grab that opportunity. It just takes a little bit of courage uh, to go up there and, and ask for prayer. Uh, but I think it'll do you a lot of good uh, if, if you do. Um, so let's listen to Andrew Peterson and then we'll sing together uh, before we go.